trigger warning, this episode contains discussions of abusive relationships and domestic violence. Please be advised about this content, and if it's something that will trigger you, don't worry. The next episode will not discuss such heavy material. I am a huge crier, so naturally I cried multiple times during my cousin Joan's wedding. I distinctly remember one of my last days in Boston with her, even though I didn't know it at the time. Joan is super duper smart and was at Harvard for a semester while she was working on her PhD at Stanford. It was right after my first true heartbreak and during her engagement, and of course, I was crying. Over Thai food, we talked about our embarrassing boy stories and juicy wedding details. The way she talked about her fiancé at the time, now husband, melted my heart. And knowing that after going through her own series of bullshit dating men, she was able to find someone who made her so happy made me a little hopeful. The wedding was amazing, everyone looked so hot, and I had a great time. However, at the wedding, I was exposed to a dangerous virus. Wedding fever. By the way, I'm painfully single, unemployed, and living in my childhood home, and definitely not the most eligible bachelorette. But getting married doesn't guarantee that everlasting love I'm longing for, and it's never a good idea to try and get married as soon as possible. Getting married won't magically fill the void. I found Nicole Plochet on TikTok and immediately became engrossed in her story about how she got married at 18, had a kid at 20, and now at 23 is a single divorced mom. I'm Nicole Plochet. I used to be Nicole Fillerup, and that's because I'm divorced. I got married at 18, and then I separated and became a single mom when I was 20, and then my divorce was finally finalized like five months ago, and now my entire life is just about being a single mom and trying to thrive doing that and practicing MILFism, as we all can. (laughs) So you got married when you were 18. How long did you know this person? How did you meet him? How did that happen? Yeah, it was insane. So I actually met him when I was 17. So I graduated high school a year early because I like could not stand being at home and like my life in Georgia anymore. And I was like, I need a big, huge change. And so I decided to graduate early. So I went to college when I was like 17 and I went to BYU, Idaho, which everybody in like those Christian colleges gets married so young. And so BYU, Idaho was nicknamed BYU, I do. And I was like, I'm not going to get married. Like I talked so much shit about girls who got married young. And then like my first semester out there, I was 17 and I met, you know, my future husband. And my first reaction was like, oh damn, like, I think I'm in love with him. He was 25 at the time. I know, I know red flags. And then And then two months later, we started dating. I like pretty much knew that I wanted to marry him immediately. And then we were like pre-engaged, like knew we were going to get married five months in. And then we actually got engaged eight months in. And then we were married 11 months after we met. Is that the standard timeline for relationships at BYU-Idaho or BYU-I do? I actually felt like we had a longer relationship before we got married than most people did, which looking back now, I'm like, I would never meet and marry somebody within 11 months, but 
at like the BYUs, it's pretty common to like meet and get married within like six or eight months. So almost a year, I was like, I know him so well. (laughs) I really took my time here. It's interesting because the timeline at places like that is very shortened to the point where you feel like you are taking it slow by waiting eight months to get married versus, you know, your peers that wait like a month three months, a few weeks. And like, I have brothers who I think the oldest is like 26. And then I have another brother who's 25. And he's like stressed about not being married because he feels like an old man. And I'm like, dude, you're in your mid 20s. Live your life. You don't need to be married. But that's just like the culture. So were you raised in the Mormon church or LDS, I guess is what they want to call it now? Yeah, so it's called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but everybody called it Mormon. And then a few years ago, the church came out and said, we're not called Mormon anymore. And so there's kind of like a controversy within the church about like which term to use. But I say Mormon just because everybody recognizes it. But yeah, I was raised Mormon. My grandparents joined on my dad's side when he, like before he was born. And then my mom's grandparents, no, my mom's great grandparents joined. And so I was born into it. My parents were pretty much born into it. So it's been like a multi-generational thing. But I feel like I had a different experience growing up in Georgia than like people do in Utah because in Utah, it's just the norm. And in Georgia, you just feel like so different from everybody because you're Mormon. Did you feel any alienation from your peers growing up in Georgia? I wouldn't say alienation. However, I knew to like not tell people that I was Mormon right off the bat. Like I would only bring it up if people specifically asked, because I realized that if I did bring it up, people would like try and keep my standards for me, or they'd like ask how many moms I had, like, oh, is your dad a polygamist? And so... I think I probably internally alienated myself or like hid parts of myself, but nobody really like quote unquote persecuted me. And like so many people in the South are Christian too. So you're like, okay, we can relate on like some form of religion. Were you expected to get married super young and start a family young? Do you have any other sisters? Was that pressure just a thing? Okay, so like yes and no. Because I think there's cultural pressure to get married young and young as in like within your 20s. Once you're like in older in your 20s, I think you're kind of old to get married in like LDS and Utah culture. However, being like 18 or 19 is still considered really young to get married, like even in that culture. But like more people do it just because it's so expected to get married and have kids young. I don't have any other sisters, but I do have brothers that have like that been engaged or like talking about getting married and they've all talked about like the pressure they feel to get married young. And then as far as kids, there's still just an expectation that you have kids like kind of right off the bat or within like two or three years of getting married. There's not very many people who have been married for like five plus years and don't have kids. I'm one of eight. And so my oldest brother was like a honeymoon baby. And there's just so many people who are just like, no birth control, like let's have kids because the Lord wants us to multiply and replenish. And so me waiting a year and a half after I got married, you know, when I'm a teen bride, I was like, oh, I'm progressive because I waited a year and a half. When you got married, were you out in Idaho still or back in Georgia? Yeah, so um, we got married in Georgia and then we moved back to Idaho. And then we lived in Idaho for like two years And then everything kind of hit the fan, (laughs) especially with COVID, like our lives hit the fan and then COVID, the like world hit the fan. And then we moved between like California and Texas and then back to Georgia and then we separated. When did shit hit the fan and how did it hit the fan? (laughs) Do you want like (laughs) the story? Yes, I want 
the story. Okay. So shit kind of hit the fan. So of course, looking back, like hindsight's 2020 and shit had started to hit the fan like before we were married, but I didn't realize this. In 2019, my husband had a uh, a little episode. He like had insomnia and he took Adderall to stay awake and he was awake for like well okay no he took Adderall because he had prescription for ADHD but then because it keeps you awake he was like well if I can't sleep because of my insomnia let me take this Adderall it was a whole thing so he stayed up for like two or three days and then he went in to go take this chemistry test and he had like so much pressure to do well on this chemistry test because he was like well if I do well on this then I can like I know I'm good enough to go on to a master's program and he absolutely fucking failed it because he had, you know, been awake for three days and chemistry is a difficult subject. And so he comes out, asks him how his test goes, and he just like starts screaming. And then he like punches, also trigger warning, but he punches like the cabinets, fridge, he flips a coffee table, and then he stops because he realized he broke both of his pinkies. And that was like the beginning of everything. This is a year into our marriage. We were together for like two plus more years after this, had a child after this. And that was like the beginning of shit starting to hit the fan because after that he was depressed because of school. His hands were broken, so he couldn't do anything. He got fired from a job that week. And so then we were just in school, kind of waiting to graduate, kind of waiting for our lives to start. And he wasn't doing anything. So I like, I got pregnant on accident because this is the whole Mormon thing. Like my mom kind of raises just have kids young. And so I wasn't on any birth control. I didn't think I could get an IUD or birth control when I got married. So we just used the pullout method for a year and a half. So I accidentally got pregnant when COVID started. So I was pregnant. I was working, had a husband at home I was taking care of. His dad paid our rent. And so, um, and then of course his mental health just started deteriorating because he was just inside all the time. He wasn't doing anything with his life. Did you know you wanted to leave and what did it take for you to finally make that decision to leave him? No, I didn't know I wanted to leave. I actually didn't even know that was considered domestic violence because like he didn't hit me. I remember feeling, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I just experienced violence. And I remember I told him that, like I felt like I had experienced, like this was like a DV situation. Um, But I was like, he didn't hit me. Like he just kind of went off the rails. And that's how I described it. Like, I don't know, like it's okay. It was just a one-time incident. But after that, this was a few weeks after he went to go see a psychiatrist. And it was kind of a big deal for me that he went to go see a psychiatrist because we didn't have good health insurance. So it was like, and we were broke college kids. So I was like, hey, this is kind of money. Like go see him. But he picked me up from work and he said, oh, I talked to a psychiatrist today and they said I could, he never got diagnosed with this, but he said I could have intermittent explosive disorder, which is like blackout rage. And like, they cannot control their anger. And he was speaking in like this really weird voice and we were just in the car and it's like a five minute drive and he just goes, I don't know what could happen when I get that angry again. Like I could hurt anybody or anything. And I was like, oh shit, like I'm included in this. And that was like the first time that I realized, oh my gosh, he could hurt me. And like that fear just stuck with me throughout our marriage. But I just told myself that that was like in my mind, like it wasn't reality. I was like psyching myself out. So I feel like that was the first time that I, I didn't really consider leaving, but I considered that this wasn't like a safe relationship for me. And the next two years were me just trying to like cope with that. But I didn't consider leaving until like a month after I gave birth to our son, which is insane. How was your pregnancy? I actually had a really chill pregnancy as far as pregnancies goes. Like I didn't get sick, which I'm like so grateful for. I had pelvic girdle pain. Oh my gosh, pelvic girdle pain is the worst thing you can like ever experience. Not really, but um, it was so bad because I couldn't even put like stand up to put on my pants from like early pregnancy to like the very end of my pregnancy. And like, I would try and walk or run and stay active. And I would feel like I was injured because I felt like my left leg and like my vagina were just gonna like fall off of my body. 
but it was so weird in my pregnancy because he wasn't that involved. Like, <laughs> I would be like, oh, do you want to talk about baby names? Do you want to feel a baby kick? And he just like wasn't interested. And I just brushed it off. Like, oh, some people just aren't that interested in it, but he'll be an involved dad. Like, it'll be fine. And then I was like, man, I really wish I listened to those signs. And so I think that's why I like considered leaving right after I gave birth because I was like, oh shit, he wasn't <laughs> involved to begin with. Were those signs the diagnosis? Was it the the episodes? What was the sign that really pointed to needing to leave? It was so much shit. There's so much drama. So the sign was, so he never actually got diagnosed with intermittent explosive disorder. It was just like his psychiatrist was like considering it. But the sign was actually all of these like spiritual beliefs he started to get into. He started to get into like dream interpretation, like rituals, which is fine. People can believe in that. It was just like he combined that with mental illness and to like cope, to like compensate with his lack of productivity with that like spirituality. And then he also used it to perpetuate him feeling like high and mighty and like being vindictive. And so he'd be like, oh, I have this power. Like I know so much more than you. So like I just needed to be quiet and like do what he said type thing. So that was really what indicated that this wasn't a safe relationship. So when COVID hit, we moved in with his parents because I was pregnant and his dad was paying our rent and everything was online. So we moved in with his parents in California and there was tons of drama there. And I hated the way he handled it to be like very general about it. I he was just like rude to his mom, rude to his parents. I was like, can you just relax and not cause drama so I can have an easy pregnancy? And he wasn't doing that. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I can't handle this. And like, you're perpetuating my stress. And so we then we moved in with my family and he was okay with my family. And then after we moved out of my parents' house after I gave birth, we moved in with my grandma because my grandma refused to go into assisted living and she needed to. And so she just needed people to live with her. And so we were like, well, we'll go live with you because you need somebody to watch you. We need a house one-on-one. -on -one. And I was 10 days postpartum. And within two days, my ex-husband had already like yelled at my dying grandmother and said like, you're the most narcissistic woman I know. And like they had already had a yelling fit. And I was like, how are you yelling at like a grandma right now? And so that was the like final straw for me where I was like, I just need to go. If this falls apart one more time because of you, like I'm done. And then it took me a year to leave after that. But that was the first realization where I was like, I need to get the fuck out of here. This is not safe for me. Not a good dad. And there's more drama within all of that. But that's the, that's the general overview. So you were a student while you were pregnant while you were a mom how is balancing being a student and being pregnant and being a mom how was that for you it was insane it was so much to handle the only reason I could handle it was because I did school online and so I could take tests do quizzes on my own time when I had my son have you ever seen like those baby wraps where the moms are like wearing their babies? The baby's like strapped to their chest. And so that's what I would do for all of my tests. Okay. Yeah. So he would like sleep on me because he was a newborn. And if I was like really desperate, my ex-husband would watch him, but he wasn't that great at watching him. Or I'd like do quizzes and stuff like while he napped. But um, I was also just a really bad student. That's the real answer as to how I got through it. I was like, I'm not going to put as much effort as I need to in this because my goal is to just get it done. So I had like C's and B's because C's get degrees, baby. And I was like, I'm going to do the bare minimum. I'll put in my 250 words on this discussion board. I'm just going to word vomit, hit send. And um, 
luckily it got me my degree, but I really put in the absolute bare minimum. But also it is not the bare minimum because you were a mom. The bare minimum would be like not even doing anything. Yeah, that's true. I can't even, I like, I don't even think I could take care of my cats and <laughs> go to college, much, much less a child. It's a lot. Well, like also luckily I had my parents, like, I think that's why I like care so much about other women having a village because I'm just like, I don't know how other moms, especially single moms would even survive if they didn't have support from like a partner or family, because like you have to work, you have to go to school, you have to take care of your child. And there's just like not enough time in the day if you don't have support. I feel like everybody has like a romanticized vision of like family. You're like, oh, this is how I want my future family to be. And once I had a kid, I realized, oh, this is it. Like, this is my family. And I would see how, you know, my husband would handle him and how he handled me. And I was like, this is like, it's not even close to how I want my family to be. This is not what I've envisioned at all. In fact, like I have a huge issue with how this is going down and I don't want to raise my son in this environment. And so I felt like it just raised the stakes for me where I was like, I'm not going to put up with mistreatment because like, this is life and I don't want to live my life like this. Like, yeah, I'll cut the cord on my marriage. Mm-hmm. It's better to cut somebody off too than expecting them to do something that they're just not going to do. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's like been a hard thing that I've had to learn is I just think it's so much better for kids to have one healthy parent than two unhealthy parents. And like, as hard as it was to go through a divorce and to say goodbye to somebody, I really think that that was like the best thing for me and my son and my husband. And it's hard to be like, cut off. like you're helping somebody by cutting them off. But like, I really think that that was the best thing I could have done. Yeah. Especially if he just wasn't ready to be a dad. Yeah. Having a kid in his life, just, it's not going to help him. It's only going to exacerbate all his problems. Yeah, no, exactly. It just, like, puts so much on his plate. And, like, there's some people who, like, are not ready to have kids. And, like, I was young and wasn't ready to have a kid. But, like, I could step up, you know? And, like, I had the skills to step up. And some people, he, at least, I feel like at that time, he didn't. What did you need to do to step up to be a mom? Okay, I feel like education um, has so much to do with it. And then also just, like, personal reflection I grew up with tons of little brothers and so I was like familiar with little kids but having your own and going through postpartum in the newborn stage is an entirely different ball game and so I was googling every single question I had like <laughs> how much milk should this kid drink like how often should they eat like different parenting tactics and so education was a big one reflecting because I've I really don't want to perpetuate like unhealthy and abusive patterns that like I was raised with that like got me into my marriage and so having to like reflect on what in me could be unhealthy and what could be triggered by having a kid and trying to work on that that way I don't just like repeat the same mistakes and have him in like my same situation in 20 years Maybe I shouldn't try and get married right now. What drew me to Nicole's social media was how open she was about all of the messiness that ensued. It's nice following a quote-unquote influencer whose story isn't all sunshine and rainbows, and people like her are the reason I started my podcast, because telling stories like ours can help other people. Uh, I love your TikToks. How has being open about your relationship 
and what you've gone through and your kid and everything has being open on social media helped that yeah I think so I think it's helped me to just be open because like I kept so much secret for so long I think also going back to just growing up and like not telling people that I was Mormon and then like being in this marriage and I'm not telling people what's going on I was just like fuck it like I'll lay everything out I'm just gonna be open because people being open is what helped me leave like people talking about their experiences and me being able to like connect the dots helped me leave and it's just been cool to like have some people reach out and say oh like this story really helped me recognize abuse and deal with abuse with like my parents or like with my sister like help her leave and so you know I like to like post fun TikTok content but also there's serious stuff and like it's just nice to know that I'm helping people and doing the same thing for them that like others have done for me too. Is there anything in particular that your family did with you growing up that you want to make sure that you do not do with your son? How do I answer this without like shading my entire family? Uh, No, just kidding. I love my family. At least for me personally, I don't want to raise him with the same like religion that I was raised in because I feel like it gave me some core beliefs that got me into this young, unhealthy marriage. It taught me to, you know, forgive really easily that I'm the problem and that that's actually what kept me in like my abusive marriage. I also just want to make sure like he's loved all the time and he knows that he's supported with whatever decision. And like, he knows that he has a voice and that he can say no and like to be in touch with himself and his feelings and his body, because I think that's been a huge thing for me is like, well, we don't care about your opinion. We don't care like how you feel. Like I'm the parent, you're the child. And I think that also got me into my abusive marriage where it's like, oh, my thoughts don't matter. And so I want to make sure that like my son knows that his thoughts do matter. Even if that means like he has an annoying middle and high school phase, I'll be like, it's worth it in the end because it'll be a strong adult. How has your relationship with religion changed just in general? Yeah. I don't like consider myself religious anymore. And I think that has to do with like everything I've learned about emotional abuse. And then also just the fact that there was like spiritual abuse in my marriage. I think there are obviously, I think there are things that are true because I I think there's a reason that religion appeals to people. And there is like, there are aspects that like heal people's souls and like help with the issues of life with religion. I think as far as like truth claims with religions, I'm always like, I don't know. I don't know if you guys saw God. Cause I think like, I think I'm skeptical because after my marriage where he like claimed he saw things and like, I didn't see anything, didn't feel anything. I'm kind of like, yeah, I wonder how accurate all these claims of like seeing God are with religions. And I just don't ever want to like have to teach or believe like an alternate view of history or science. And I just want to like be able to support people and to do it in the way that like we have found is the best way to support people rather instead of the best way that like a book says to support people. Have you been dating at all since the divorce? What is it like dating as a divorced single mom at 23? It's insane (laughs) because like the only people who really relate to being a divorced single parent are like old ass men and I don't want to I don't want to date like an old man. It's so weird because I I went on a date, I went on a few dates with this one guy. He's like 28. He's getting like his graduate degree. And so I feel like that's kind of like my dating pool is like these more mature, but like still younger guys, like in their older 20s. But it's still weird because they just like don't have the experience that I have or they like don't want kids. And I'm like, I'm young, still figuring myself out with a kid. Yeah, it's just hard to relate to like that stage of life 
because I'm very settled in many ways, but also still figuring myself out. And so it's just weird to find, hard to find some people that relate. Yeah. And it's like hard to screen people too. Cause I'm like, I don't know how to ask people if they'd be a good dad. Cause I think I'm like so traumatized from having a <laughs> not a great experience my first time that I'm like, I'm in my like fuck men era, which is a trauma response. It's a little extreme, but I'm trying to heal that so I can actually date. How has healing yourself been and what what advice would you give to another woman healing from a past abusive relationship? I think one is like give yourself time because I think you don't know what you don't know because it takes so much time to process what you went through because you think it's like so normal while you go through it. And then you have to reframe it as abusive, like when you look back on it and to just like be okay with being messy. Like it took me forever to cry again because I just had to put like repress all my feelings forever. And it's okay to like let some balls drop because usually in abusive relationships, like the women are always like picking up the pieces, like picking up this person's lack for their kids, for themselves and their marriage. And so I think when you like leave in an unhealthy relationship, you just realize like how unsustainable that is. And then like, I would feel guilty for not being as perfect as I thought I was, but I was really just doing too much. And so just be like, it's okay to have lack and not do everything that you feel like you're supposed supposed to be doing because honestly you're just being healthy like it was unhealthy to be that perfect beforehand it is not healthy having to take care of a child and a man child at the same time yeah exactly that's what I say I'm always like uh (laughs) I was a single mom with two kids and then I got divorced and I'm a single mom with one it's so so much easier yeah has it been easier being a single mom than your past relationship yes oh my gosh like so much easier oh my gosh I saw this quote one time that said peace feels like boredom and not that I'm bored being a single mom but I would remember when I was like trying to leave my abusive marriage and I would think about like how I felt when I wasn't around him and I was like I don't feel euphoric I just don't feel stressed and that was like a big difference and so having him gone I'm not like euphoric I don't walk around zen all the time but it's just so much less stressful because I'm just a single mom to like one toddler and I can manage that instead of a single mom with a toddler and somebody that I'm scared of that I'm also having to care for it's much healthier (laughs) to be away from it it is i still do hope that someday i get married i cry at the end of almost every chick flick where the guy sweeps the girl off her feet but One of my favorite movies of all time, The Graduate, ends in a way that might be more reminiscent of the reality of rushing into marriage. The film pans to the male lead and the female lead sitting on a bus after their shotgun wedding. It's supposed to be a happy moment, but the song that plays isn't a happy little tune. It's Simon and Garfunkel's classic, The Sound of Silence. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk to you again. And true love means that you don't hurt someone. If you are in a 
domestic violence relationship or an abusive relationship, Nicole is living proof that even at such a young age and with a kid, there is a possibility to get out and start your own life. Here she is, working, being a mom to the most adorable ginger baby, running a social media that has amassed thousands of followers. Quick question. How did you have a ginger kid? <laughs> As a ginger. Whoa. I'm genuinely no. like, like, how did that happen? <laughs> no, my grandma's a ginger. And then I think on my ex's side, somebody in his family is a ginger because he's a blonde and I'm a brunette. And then we have like the brightest ginger hair kid. It was such a surprise. No. And so every time I see a ginger, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I made a ginger. Yeah. No, I, I feel like he's ginger. Both my parents are brunettes. And I used to get asked like, oh, is that your babysitter? <laughs> Growing up, because people didn't realize. My mom has like pin straight brown hair. Accepting that something doesn't work, that a relationship doesn't work, and that it's more harmful to stay than to leave is probably one of the hardest things. And it's something that will hurt at first, but I really do hope that both Nicole and her ex-husband are able to become better people after this failed relationship. And I still believe in love, and I totally think Nicole deserves the perfect man for her and her son. There's life after a breakup. I don't just mean like specifically divorce, but like breakup, abuse, and like you can be abused in um, like businesses, corporations, like there's life, it's a process. Like just be graceful with yourself. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Failing Down the Rabbit Hole. All episodes are written, recorded, and produced by yours truly. The theme music is produced by Jabari Butler, and the cover art is illustrated by Ariana Vilches. If you liked this week's episode and want to further the pod, subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with your friends. XOXO, Kira.